I'm Pat Kelly with K&K Land Service of Brazoria, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad to have you with us once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the National Cotton Council held its annual meeting over the weekend in Dallas, where they set policy for the coming year and elected new leadership. And this year, they elected a Texan as chairman. I caught up with him at the meeting, and we'll tell you more about him coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. If Texas High Plains corn farmers can just get some rain, 2023 looks to be a better year than last year. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Sales clauses are important elements of hunting and grazing leases, and especially when renewing those leases. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. It's time to plant, but Mother Nature is holding things up. We'll have those and more stories from Extreme South Texas in today's report. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The National Cotton Council met in Dallas over the weekend to set the organization's direction for the upcoming year, and they will be led this year by a Texan. Sean Holliday farms cotton near La Mesa and was elected chairman of the National Cotton Council over the weekend as the organization heads into yet another farm bill year. You know, it's it's going to be a busy year, the uh, farm bill negotiation and everything, and I think that's more or less why I'm taking the helm right now is because of my experience on the Farm Policy Task Force and some of the things I've done in the past. I've chaired the American Cotton Producers, and when we developed the seed cotton program and getting back into farm bill after the Brazil case, so I focused on federal farm policy my whole career in the National Cotton Council. I'm pretty uh, tunnel vision that way. With a short time to get the farm bill done, Holiday is focused on increasing funding for the farm safety net. I think, first of all, you've got to look at the funding. You know, you, uh, you, an increase in baseline would be very important to be able to do much at all with the farm bill. Uh, we do not have a bad farm bill at, the, at this point. Uh, the problem with it is that we don't have enough money in Title I to... Uh, to uh, overcome the uh, high input levels that we're seeing. And uh, if we could uh, make the case that we uh, needed to increase baseline, maybe we could improve Title I and get it in a better situation to help be a uh, uh, safety net for our farmers in all commodities. 
Holiday says a very close second priority is to maintain or improve the crop insurance program. Another highlight of the National Cotton Council meeting each year is the release of their annual planting intention survey results. And this year's planted acreage estimate stands at 11.4 million acres, down 17% from 2022. Now, the planted acreage is just a beginning number. The NCC projecting harvested acreage this year at 8.8 million acres with an abandonment rate of 22.6%. That would generate a cotton crop here in 2023 of 15.7 million bales. Looking at the Texas numbers in the survey results, the NCC calling for just under 6.2 million acres to be planted in our state this year. That is down 21%. The National Cotton Council's questionnaires were mailed back in mid-December to producers across the 17-state cotton belt, asking for the number of acres devoted to cotton and other crops in 2022 and the acreage planned for the coming season. Survey responses were collected through mid-January. Texas High Plains corn farmers may have a better year here in 2023, but James Hunt says that all depends on rain. It's typically true that corn is the first major crop to get planted in the Texas High Plains each year, with seed going into the ground anywhere from mid-April into May. David Gibson of Texas Corn Producers says, We still need rain to help this year's crop, but here in February 2023, things are looking better for corn farmers than they were a year ago. The economics this year, we're seeing fertilizer prices below where we were last year at this time. You know, things have really escalated in the fertilizer prices as the war in Ukraine had started. It started prior to that and really escalated about this time of year, which is a bad time to have an escalation in prices. We're seeing those moderated some at this time compared to last year. We've seen fuel prices uh, come down some from the highs of what we saw last year during the crop production year, and hopefully we don't have those prices go back up like they did. I know I'm hearing a lot of guys that are uh, looking at the natural gas prices, and they're down lower than what they'd seen last year. Hopefully that'll continue as we go into this crop, and uh, we've got a decent price outlook as we look at where the futures are. So uh, I think maybe we're a little more positive ground just in general looking at this year than where we were last year at this point in time. But while there's a lot to be positive about, David Gibson says there are challenges facing corn farmers as well, including actions taken by our government and the governments of other countries. More on that tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The sale of a ranch can have big effects for tenants with leases on that ranch. Tom Nicoletti tells us that good tenants have a good chance of keeping their lease. Tyler Jacobs, a partner broker with Hall & Hall LLP, joins me again today. Tyler, when ranchers and landowners are renewing hunting and grazing leases, they need to have a sales clause in that lease agreement with tenants. 
Absolutely. This is the most petrifying thing for most tenants is, oh no, the ranch is going to sail and we're going to lose our lease. When a lot of times the reality is the good tenant is a win-win situation because a good tenant is an asset to the property. And often when that ranch sells, the new owner will still want a tenant, whether it be a hunting tenant or a grazing tenant. So it's in everybody's interest to make sure that sale clause is not a hindrance to the sale of the ranch. Now, Tyler, uh, property cleanup uh, could possibly be delayed due to the fact that uh, the land was uh, leased over a given period of time, but this is the time that uh, the cleanup needs to occur, correct? Absolutely. And, And what I advise people to do is it's just like bringing a real estate agent into your house before you put it on the market, right? So same thing. You want a fresh set of eyes on that ranch to point out the old hay piles that need to be cleaned up or the culverts that need to be repaired or the cross fencing that nobody's really noticed the deterioration of. All those things that maybe the current set of eyes are used to seeing, a fresh set of eyes will help point those property condition things out that the tenant can help with, especially for an absentee owner. Getting that tenant to to get this thing ready to sell is really in everybody's best interest. Get them engaged in getting this thing ready to sell and and let them sell themselves as a tenant to the next owner. That is Tyler Jacobs. He is partner broker with Holland Hall. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Farmers in deep south Texas are rolling the corn planters as long as Mother Nature cooperates. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. Well, the last of January saw temperatures in the mid to upper 80s. Lows were only in the 50s. Valley producers had the planters ready to go to the field. Well, then Mother Nature decided it was still too early. A late-season cold front hit the first few days of February, driving temperatures into the 40s for daytime highs. And both day and night, and well, rain and heavy drizzle that has stopped most ag activity. Soil temperatures have plummeted, and with the moisture, it could be mid-February before planters are again able to move. Watermelons, well, they were just almost ready to plant. Plastic is down on the rows, and windbreaks are up, they look good, and everybody is just waiting to plant. Well, the harvest of sugarcane has stopped along with most citrus harvesting. The wet fields, just too wet to hold heavy equipment. And being that the fields are wet, the good sign, though, is it'll probably save many producers an irrigation that they would have had to apply to get things up and growing. Saving water will be a key issue in 2023. Falcon elevation currently 13.6% full. That was as of February the 1st. Amistad 47.3% full, but with the heavy demand for spring water, Falcon Reservoir could be in the single digits again real quickly. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. A study on black bears is underway in far west Texas, and the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is working with landowners to prevent future human-bear conflicts. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And newborn calves need colostrum to survive, but it's hard to tell if they're getting enough. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Newborn calves need colostrum to survive, but Dr. Bob Judd says it is difficult to know if a calf on pasture has received enough. We need a method to detect these compromised calves so treatment can be administered quickly. In one study, 33% of beef calves did not receive adequate colostrum to acquire the level of immunoglobulins required to provide adequate immunity. Dr. Elizabeth Homersky from Alberta, Canada, indicated at Drovers.com that beef cattle colostrum is generally regarded as high in immunoglobulins. However, she sought a method to determine if compromised calves had actually acquired optimal immunity, and she developed a beef-calf vigor assessment that is similar to the APGAR score used in human infants. The score uses calving characteristics and clinical examination parameters, which are predictive of calves that fail to nurse on their own by four hours after birth. She also evaluated the long-term negative impact of calves that fail to nurse by four hours after birth. The study included 22 calves born without assistance, 41 calves born with minimal assistance, and 14 that were born and required significant assistance. At 10 minutes following birth, an exam was performed which included strength of suckle reflex and other parameters. Calves were kept in a pen with the mother, and if they had not nursed in four hours, they were fed colostrum. Results indicated that calves with a weak suckle reflex at 10 minutes after birth were usually acidotic or have low blood pH, which leads to poor muscle tone and weak reflexes. The calves that had a weak suckle reflex 10 minutes after birth were unlikely to nurse by four hours. If you place two fingers in the newborn calf's mouth and rub the roof of the mouth and the calf has a weak suckle reflex, that calf should be fed colostrum immediately. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is working with landowners to prevent human conflicts with black bears. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. As black bears move further from the Mexican border into Texas, researchers at the Borderlands Research Institute at Sol Ross State University are working with landowners and the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department to trap, collar, and release the bears so we can learn more about their habits and ecology. The goal of the research is to better understand the bears' ranging habits, population numbers, seasonal diets, and other data in order to minimize human-bear conflicts and inform management decisions. A key component of that is engaging with landowners, hunters, and communities. Dr. Amanda Veals-Dutt, postdoctoral research specialist at the Borderlands Research Institute, joins us with more. We hope to be working for at least the next five years on this study. We really hope to capture more of the behavior and the interactions with people as more and more bears come into this area so that, yes, we can have a richer sense of what's going on on the landscape to better inform Texas Parks and Wildlife and the landowners on how to coexist. Because really, the bears are just 
coming into these areas. And so if we can get on top of these conflict issues now, when there are more bears, hopefully these strategies will be well implemented so that they're highly effective. Preliminary research shows that relocating the bears is not effective long term. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has been working with landowners and business owners who are having an issue with the bears. The goal of BRI's research and these efforts by TPWD is to show people how we can safely and more easily coexist with black bears. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal. A lot of red ink on Valentine's Day in the agricultural markets. We'll check out all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The agricultural markets were not feeling the love on Valentine's Day Tuesday. We had a lot of red ink in just about every single market. Had a few contracts higher, but for the most part, a lot of lower closes on Tuesday with live cattle finishing lower February down 12 cents, 162.15. The April down 42, 164.67. June live cattle down 20 cents at 160.22. Same thing on the feeder cattle. March feeders down 55 cents, 186.65. April down 70 at 190.90, with May feeder cattle down 67 cents, 194.90. Cash fed cattle trade still quiet for the week. The last couple of weeks, we haven't really seen any trade to speak of until Friday, so that may be what we see this week. We'll have to wait and see. Boxed beef prices higher Tuesday, choice up 224 at 272.19, select up 287 at 259.08. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Kenny Mingus and crew sell cattle in Cameron every Friday at Milam County Livestock Auction. Cameron, they're on the Little River. Kenny, how was this last sale? Well, it turned out good, Larry. I had everybody back working this week. Cold weather was gone. Ice was gone. Had a total of 948. Out of that mix, we had 31 cows and 13 bulls. Walk the pins with us, Kenny. You bad with the steers on the 300, 135 to 235. Three to 400 bow steers, 148 to 237 and a half. Four to 500 pound steers, 121 to 242. And over 500, 110 to 220. On a heifers under 300, 120 to 215. Three to 400 pound heifers, 140 to 210. Four to 500 pound heifers, 110 to 208. And over 590 to 202. On the Packer cows, I had to start up for 40 to 101. Packer bubble 75 to 115. On your bread cows, 430 to 1800. And on your cows, 2100. What are you anticipating for this Friday, Kenny? Well, you know, I've got several deals working right now, Larry. I've got a couple of 
<laughs> maybe one of those sell out deal coming, some middle aged to older gals, about 30 yet gals. And Jay's uh, got a boy that's going to go through a big place, sold some gals. And, and uh, you know, as far as your events, I don't have a lot lined up yet, but I've got a good many gals lined up. If the weather lets us do it, you know, it's supposed to come in here and go to rain again. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday, I think, or Tuesday and Wednesday. Heck, I can't remember. But right. If it doesn't rain the sound, I think we'll have a, a pretty good run this week. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Kenny, for the Friday sale in Cameron. Catch us at the office Monday through Wednesday at 254-697-6697. Follow us on our webpage at milecountylivestockauction.com or catch us on Facebook. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. Arlene Hogs finished mixed Tuesday. Nearby February was down 15 cents, 75.67. The April up 90 cents, 87.25. Class 3 milk was lower. February milk down a penny, 17.93 a hundred. With March milk down 29 cents, 17.72 a hundred weight. The cotton market finished mixed. Old crop contracts lower, new crop higher. Cotton traders always keep an eye on the outside markets. That was the case on Tuesday. The Consumer Price Index report came out showing that inflation did rise by one-tenth of a percent, a little larger than most folks were expecting. So that had an effect on the stock markets and the other outside markets. Cotton finishing mixed with March down 24 points, 85.40. May cotton down 9 at 85.70, while new crop December was up 10 points, 85.07. Corn market finishing mixed also. Cheaper South American corn prices are hampering our corn exports as demand continues to suffer. March corn down two and three quarters, 6.82 and a quarter. May corn down two and a half, 6.79 and three quarters, with September corn up one and a quarter, 6.13 a bushel. Rain and snow in the forecast for the U.S. Plains put pressure on the wheat markets on Tuesday. March Kansas City wheat down six and a quarter, 906. New crop July down four and a quarter, 881 a bushel. July Chicago wheat was down three, 799 and a half. In the energy markets, March natural gas up 20 cents, 261. March West Texas crude down a dollar, 79.14 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down 112 at 34,133. The NASDAQ up 77, 11,970. The S&P up three points, 4,141. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.